I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I'm Regina. And I am Christine. Ooh, today we have a guest on, and I am so, so excited. This guest, I've like admired her from afar for a really long time, and we've always had kind of like a similar path, but it happened at different times. I actually didn't meet her for a while, but like we were Instagram friends, so I would consider us friends for a while. She's incredibly talented, so, so sweet, and I feel like every time I have a conversation with her, she's just so like warm and bubbly. It makes me so happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said, yes. Said guest. <laughs> <laughs> said guest is someone that I'm so excited to have on just because honestly, I didn't know if she would want to come on because if you guys, once you guys hear her, you guys would be like, oh. Oh, because she's not that big of a talker. She's the <laughs> one who listens a lot and watches people in a non-creepy way <laughs> from the corner of a room. <laughs> yeah. But sh- girl, she's got stuff to say and she's very insightful and really smart. She says the things that everybody wants to say, but she says it first and quietly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this girl's really witty, and I am so thankful that she decided to join us for this topic. Yes! Uh, so let's welcome Jen Lay! Hi! Wow, that was so nice. <laughs> Until Christine called me creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you! Yay! In the nicest way. Aww. It's okay, you're in good company because we are probably the creepiest people. Thank ever. you. Yeah. Thank you. She's like, yeah, you guys are. <laughs> yeah, so. This topic kind of came about with just a conversation that Jen and I had recently and she was just kind of catching me up on things and I was like, oh my God, that is like a perfect topic because this is something that people go through, I would say, well, statistics say over 80% of people go through this. Definitely not alone. So this is something that we wanted to cover, talk about our feels, you know, pip stuff. So with that said, what are we talking about? Today, we're going to be talking about quarter life crisis. (gasps) Fun times. Fun fun (laughs) times. I think all three of us have definitely experienced this in different ways at many points in our lives. I feel like quarter life crisis, some people like to pinpoint it to like a very specific event or like a very specific, you know, like, oh, when you're 25, that's when the crisis hits. But I feel like it's definitely for me, I can speak for my experience, it's been like reoccurring. Oh, and yeah. it happens at like different stages in my life. And I feel like I have a different approach each time. It affects me in a different way each time. Today, we just wanted to dive into the topic a little bit deeper, explore the different ways that we've gone through crises and just talk about it. Like talk about how we feel when we're going through it, how it changes our perspective and, you know, any advice that we have. Totally. I mean, it's a crisis for a reason. <laughs> and a lot of that I feel is an emotional crisis and it develops from a mental crisis and then afterwards it becomes an external crisis right <laughs> so there's all these elements that play into this crisis but really there's not a lot highlighted about it you always hear about midlife crisis and I think it's something that we're like anxiously awaiting and you're always watching like middle-aged men right you're like get oh their God. portions yeah. <laughs> and then now you're like oh no at 25 or in your 20s this is very common but yet I think in today's culture it's just something that you don't talk about because you don't want to put that out there that you're like what the hell am I doing you know what's going on and it could be from all sides right you seemingly have a really great life but then something doesn't feel right something is not aligned you don't feel the way that you think you should mm-hmm. so then crisis starts developing. Now, I'm I'm happy that we're evolving in a society that we're starting to talk about mental health, starting to be more vulnerable and honest about these things. So yeah, let's get into quarter life crisis. Jen, did you want to start us off with kind of the feels that are associated with the quarter life crisis that you've experienced or currently experiencing? So I would actually say I went through two quarter life crises. Is that the correct plural? Yes, (laughs) we're going to go with it. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, like post-grad is that prime time for people to freak out. I'm in the real world. What What do I do? I feel like it's a lot of panic. I have to catch up with my peers. I need a good job. Is this the right job? Am I moving back home? It's just like a lot of those feelings. I feel like, yeah, it's just panic, a lot of anxiety. Back then, postgrad was very high emotions, mm-hmm. very heightened. I must get this done now, ASAP, to live a good life. 
mm. and to be right to be a true adult mm-hmm. and like adulting mm. so it kind of felt that way where do you think that came from like the pressure to like like do it fast and do it right i mean i guess that's just society pressure right once you're out of college you're ready for the real world but like you realize like you're no you're not ready <laughs> just because you have a degree doesn't mean you're you're good to go. And I feel like when you're just starting off your career, everything feels very definitive. Mm-hmm. It feels like, oh my gosh, whatever decision I make now, like that's just going to dictate the rest of my life. Right. And that's a very nerve wracking feeling for mm-hmm. a 21, 22 year yeah. old who just went through four years of, you know, like, oh, la, 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 I'm taking classes. Like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this and, you mm-hmm. know, try out a couple jobs. But to put that much pressure on the seemingly one decision, I can definitely see why so many people have these feelings of anxiety and fear and all of that post-grad. Yeah. Doing some research about the quarter-life crisis, they were saying that, did our parents go through quarter-life crisis? Is it just this generation, the millennials? And they're saying that because we have way more choices now, and obviously life is different now, that is what creates the crisis. Right. Because there's just too much and happening too fast, feeling there's too many choices, and what is the right choice? Yeah, super overwhelming. I actually would love to talk to our parents about that because I feel like whenever I explain my feelings to them, they're always like, why? Like, why are you feeling this way? Like, you finally have all the choices that they would have wanted. But then now, given the choices, we're like, oh, no. This is why they said that not as many of our parents' generation went through a quarter-life crisis because they were just like, oh, I have to survive. And mm. talking to a lot of my parents' generation and their friends and stuff, they didn't go through stuff like that. It was just very straightforward. We're here to survive. We're here to try to make money, get a house. So then now there's a disconnect of course that they don't understand <laughs> they're For just like sure. they're like pick something i remember that was when i was going through quarter life crisis i think yeah also after post grad my friends were like christine you just have to pick something there's not one magical thing that's going to make sense work is work you know and those were my friends saying that and i was like ooh first off hashtag #rude disagree <laughs> completely disagree <laughs> yeah and these are the same friends that now have done the quote unquote right things right. like they they're married right they have houses yes. they're they're on their second kid projected asian kid yeah exactly but they are also going through crisis now you know, and I'm, I'm, we're like 35. So it's a different type of crisis. It's just everyone's in a crisis. It's like, Life is just one perpetual crisis. <laughs> it's just different versions of the same thing. So Regina, did you experience a crisis post-grad? Oh, for sure. I experienced it so much so. Like December of my senior year, I was about to graduate in May. I had no idea what I was doing with my life. Some of my friends had gotten internships. Some had gotten jobs. Some were like, oh, I'm going to take the year off and do some research and like apply for grad school the following year. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I don't know. And so I actually met, I feel like Christine's like, I totally know. I remember that time. Well, I feel like what you did was what a lot of people do. They stall for time. Yeah, which is exactly what I did. I applied for a one-year master's. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'd want to do. More school. Yeah, more school. I was like, I don't want to go out into the real world. I met with like a friend who introduced me to a professor and I applied to this master's program. And that was like my way of prolonging my decision-making process. And luckily enough, the master's program actually taught me a lot about myself. It was the first time I was actually good at school, enjoying it. And so I feel like that helped me a lot because it built up my confidence. But that was definitely like my first like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's kind of like when you're like driving, you're like, I just want a U-turn. Take me back. So yeah. I 100% understand that uh, post-grad. That the, the feels with that, the pressure that Jen was saying. So then, I mean, this is a question that both of you guys can answer. But how did you guys get past it? The shock of like entering the real world expectations, but expectations not being met in the way that you thought. I don't know for you guys. Did you guys feel disappointed in yourselves? I mean, it's tough because well, going back on the job thing, right? I think I was in a unique situation where... I already had a job. And for people who don't know, I work at Wong Fu Productions and I was only 20. Yeah, we we nabbed her early. Like they like them young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not like that. <laughs> you were as young as it got. You were younger. I was 17. Just crazy. Yeah. yeah, so I was an upcoming fourth year. So while I was at my fourth year of college, I was also going through this like crazy ride, you know, of a job. I was lucky that I had a job when I graduated. Actually, I was shamed by my peers. A lot of my wow. peers, like, oh. kind of like 
weird backhanded comments like you already have a job why are you freaking out you don't have no crisis you know to worry about like post-grad craziness right it's like well even though I am lucky to have this job I still am dealing with all these other stuff you guys don't know about the other factors is like I was living in Orange County at the time but my job was in LA it's like do I move do I go home like I had like parental factors so there's all this overwhelming stuff happening yes I guess there was like disappointment because it's not knowing how to tackle those things and it felt very overwhelming to the outside world it's like oh she's so happy she works at Wang Fu and it's like she posts a pretty picture yeah Yeah. like she's drawing doodles (laughs) that was a very tumultuous time for me I know you've mentioned before that your parents like pretty strict Mm -hmm. and because you're the firstborn and a girl they were very just like Jen, you can't do anything. No, tiger parenting was effective on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it worked because I was, yeah, a shy, timid girl. To me, it's like my parents, they are the rulers of everything and I must listen to them. Like I didn't go out. I was very sheltered. I didn't really have friends that I could like talk to and have deep feelings about. Mm. So for me, college was the first time like really getting into that. So I wouldn't say I was like rebellious. I didn't drink. I didn't party. I didn't do anything. But to me, rebellious was like, ooh, I gotta go get ice cream at 11 p.m. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, Boba, what's this? I remember when I first moved into the dorm, like that first night, I literally was like, oh my God, I can go anywhere yes. and not tell anyone. <laughs> and I was kind of scared by that. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah, it was so freeing. So then I think my parents didn't realize how much I was changing because of that. You know, me getting this freedom and like learning about myself. They still saw me as this timid, shy girl who doesn't know what to do. Like she's very, you know, like lost in the world. And we need to take care of her. Mm. So then um, the summer after post-grad was probably one of the worst summers of my life. <laughs> Problem was that they wanted me to move back home. But for me, it's like, well, I have this job in LA. Doesn't it make sense to either stay here or move north? So there's a lot of that. And I think at the time, they didn't understand what I was doing. That's, I think, a problem with artists and creatives. Like They didn't know what you were doing in your job. Especially it's like YouTube. Like, yeah. what the heck is YouTube? <laughs> is that even profitable? Right. Is that sustainable? Yeah. Like, I think those are questions that all Asian parents ask. Yes, for sure. And then like going down it, it's like, okay, what am I doing in YouTube? I'm doing social media management like, and design. Like what? That's <laughs> more confusing, right? I do things on the computer and on your phone. So hard to explain. So it was very hard to convince them this is what I want to do and this is the right thing. You know, I didn't study for this, but this is what I want to pursue. You were a psych major. Right? I was psychology, social behavior. Are we twins? <gasps> Wait, yeah. Twins. <laughs> Hashtag twins, yeah. Hashtag twins. Seriously, yeah. No, I mean, it's funny because I feel like a lot of psych majors end up not doing anything related to psych but I feel like psych is pretty prevalent in a lot of different fields and business and anything and so it's definitely like really useful and good knowledge to have yeah but I totally relate to you Jen about the overprotective parents yeah only child girl they're like shield her from the world you know still Um, and still you know like now that I've moved home they're kind of better at it, but like they're still kind of like peering around the corner like, oh, where's she going now? Who's she going with? You know, I think that that's just our parents nature. Like they're always going to care for us. The less you're in their eye, the less that they'll kind of remember to be like so overprotective, I think. I, I, I don't know about that. I think because they know the consequences to the fights that come with it, that they just learn to worry from afar. But I that's do notice true. like from watching you two, your guys' parents are very similar. In that. And then my parents were like that. You two never really like rebelled like crazy. You guys are so within the boundaries of being a quote unquote good daughter, but trying to express your own opinions, you know. And I think okay. like within the subtle Asian traits, I think that's a, a more like under like people are like, yeah, how do I tell my parents that right. you know I want to go on and eat with my friends and not eat at home? Yeah. <laughs> Jen, I know you were saying that your parents were very apprehensive of you pursuing this as a career path or being an artist. And I still remember when you did your first mural in San Diego. Yeah, so I made a mural in one of my friend's boba shops in San Diego. To me, that was like one of the greatest accomplishments of my life so far. It was gorgeous. I mean, like, yeah, that was my first time ever doing such a big project. It was really showing what I love to do. And Boba. (laughs) Boba. And it's in San Diego. Yeah. Everything I love, you know, together. And like, I was so, so proud of it. It took me two full days. But what people don't know is that actually when I came home that day after finishing it, my mom was very, very disappointed in me. She actually didn't see it until like a whole year later. So did you not understand what it was? Yeah, I told her what I did. I was like, I painted a mural. Oh my gosh, isn't that great? And she was like, what were you doing all day? You were painting? Oh, how much money did you make? 
that's nothing. Why are you wasting your time? You're not going to make any money living like this. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, she's really trying to poke at my button. So basically, yeah, we got into a huge, huge argument about why are you not moving home? What are you doing with your life? Just a lot of you know, those questions I'm thinking about internally. So right. it's, it's sucked that she was laying it out on the table for me, but in a very like aggressive way. If you grew up, you know, Asian American, first generation, like you, you might be used to this type of interaction, which is, it's tough, right? Because I feel like I may be tolerating it. But I think at that moment I did quote unquote rebel and like I talked back. You spoke your mind. <laughs> I tried to defend myself, but in the end it was, it was healthy because we got to an understanding at the end. And like, okay, let's not treat each other like this. I'll try to understand you more. And it meant a lot. Actually, from that moment, things changed. Wow. Yeah. She started watching Wong Fu videos. Mm. Um, She started like following me on Instagram. What? Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Yeah. So so now it's kind of funny. Not that I would go back to that time. It's almost overbearing. She'll call me and be like, yeah, on lunch break, you should wear powder. (laughs) (laughs) Your nose is kind of shiny. (laughs) Or like stuff like that. Or like, well, you wore that. To Coachella? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know my mom also tried to follow me on Instagram. And I was like, don't follow me on Instagram. I'll show it to you on my phone. <laughs> I was like, you can look at it on my terms. Now it's Tiger Children. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, you follow my rules. Let me dictate to you what are the boundaries of what you can and can't yeah, do. Yeah, I can see why that leads to quarter-life crisis or, or it spirals more of the crisis because a lot of times it's defending something that you don't even have the answers to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so tough. And in the fighting, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm fighting about. Okay. I feel like I've been having a lot of those conversations with my mom lately, mm. just about life and like what I'm doing right now. And they're like this podcast thing, like yeah. that's a hobby, right? Like that's a hobby. Keep it as a hobby. Like you do that in off hours, but like nine to five, you need to either be looking for a job. You need to be working towards your future. Mm-hmm. And man, Asian moms just always know the questions to ask yeah, you, yeah. you know, <laughs> like the other day, she just looked me dead in the eye and she was like, aren't you scared? And I was like, I <laughs> don't you feel like a failure yeah. <laughs> like they really just know how to like pinpoint it when it's like your mom someone that you're always trying to show like look what i'm doing now look this thing i'm so proud of like look at you know when they ask you those questions you're like a kid again you know yes. and oh my it gosh, just yes. you totally revert back to that mentality of like oh no my mom you know she rules all <laughs> I have to follow all the rules that she lays down and you kind of forget for a second like who you even are you're just like oh I'm back to being like a little kid like lost and confused yeah, yeah. again feeling stuck like you don't have the answers but like you should and now that you're adulting you should know before your parents or anybody else starts to like questioning right. you and then the more that they question you the more that you feel like a disappointment and the more that you feel pressure to get the answers but it's not like you can just go out there and google hey tell me what i should do what's the right path and with that i can see how analysis paralysis or just being afraid to step out which is actually what one should do and really reflect on what is happening so post-college we talked about that now that jen you're in your mid-20s oh gosh (laughs) I know Christine said, Regina, you're in your late 20s. You're, no. it's, it's late now. And I was like, oh, you no, asked no. me, she's like, am I still mid 20s or late 20s? I was like, you're late 20s. <laughs> Dang, you savage. But uh, yeah, I'm in my mid 30s. I know. Oh, and you're beautiful. Yeah, so, so we're all at like kind of three different points. Yeah, which is why this is like such an interesting and fun topic for us because we're all still feeling a lot of similar Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we're all kind of going through it at a different time in our lives. Right. Which is one of the things that, again, doing research, they said that the quarter life crisis are just phases that you continuously go through. Right. So there's actually five phases of it. And, you know, what? we'll go through it. Yeah. How would you so, tell me this? So <laughs> actually, you know what? Let me just go through it now and then we can reflect on, you know, which phase you guys are okay. in. <laughs> tell me how many more I have. <laughs> there's hope. It gets better as you go. So phase one, you feel trapped by your life choices, like your job or relationship or both. And you're living on mm. autopilot. Phase two, you get a sense of, I got to get out of this. And I feel a growing sense that change is possible if you just take a leap. Phase three, you quit the job and the relationship or break the commitment that's making you feel trapped. Then you detach and enter a quote unquote timeout period where you try to rediscover who you are and who you want to be. Phase four, you begin rebuilding your life slowly but surely. 
And then the last phase, phase five, you develop new commitments that are more in line with your new interests and aspirations. And then you repeat steps one through five. (laughs) Again and again. (laughs) So they say that a lot of people go through one and two a lot and they can't get out of that cycle. You know, so that's why if you reflect back where you said you had two quarter life crisis and how many I feel like I'm on my third (laughs) it's my third cycle I'm in my mid-30s every day is a crisis for me (laughs) it's easy to see why we go through those phases which is why as we talk about it we can do some self-reflection because phase three is about you quit the job you end the relationship you know you make that step to do that but that's a hard step it is and it's a very dramatic step yeah I mean it doesn't always have to come to that yeah basically what they're saying is that you make a decision right Mm -hmm. and then from that it spurs the self-reflection of trying to get aligned again but for me what all these phases are saying going through many like quarter-life crisis or phases of it is that you're just going through a self-evolution and it took me until my like 30s to really understand that it's an evolution but before I just said like what is wrong with me everybody else has their life together they like picked the path and they just went with it you know there's no complaining or if there is it's very little and they just push through and I think that's a very Asian way right just yes. stuff your feeling just yes. get past yeah. it right so let's get into your guys' second crisis <laughs> <laughs> all right Regina you want to take us through your yeah, second crisis yeah so I think that I was like kind of on a high after my master's program how old were you now I was 23 I know it was just one year but I think that year was like very transformative for me because I really did feel like the surge of confidence that I had never felt before so I was feeling really good throughout the program we had a lot of us who really wanted to like travel and do all these things and that's kind of when the seed of New York got planted uh, yeah. and then it just grew and grew and grew and so when I graduated I was just like this is what I'm doing. Like nobody can stop me. I'm doing it. And I think I kind of rode off of that confidence. Right. And so then I went to New York. I moved there around the same time as my friends. We were going out. Like we were just having like the time of our lives. That summer was really, really fun. And then, you know, we all had a lot of free time that summer. I don't know why, (laughs) but a lot of us, we weren't working yet. You know, people who hadn't started school yet and stuff like that. So it was great. And then as the school year hit, one of my friends started med school. Another started her job Mm -hmm. another went back to her job you know like everybody started going back into the routine like summer was over now and I think that's when thoughts started like kind of creeping in again like hey you don't have a job hey you're paying a lot for rent and hey you're not saving anything because you're just spending 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 I think that was like overwhelming but I think at the beginning I was like oh no I can do this you know I'm sending out resumes trying to get coffee with people and then after you know 800 no's that's when it really hits right you're like oh my gosh my master's means nothing my education means nothing Like I don't bring value to a company, like all those thoughts that kind of just send you spiraling down. Like I remember there are days where I would just be holed up in my apartment, didn't apply for jobs, just kind of laid around because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like I've tried so, so hard and nothing was coming. Stuck hopelessness yeah and it just I really didn't see any light it just felt like I was getting deeper and deeper in the tunnel it was getting darker and there was just no way out I didn't know which direction to go started questioning like is this even what I wanted to do right. I think I was like seven months into living in New York where, like just paying rent using money and not making anything and I think that one of the freedoms that everybody has like post-grad is like oh I have an income now I can like buy things or spend on things that freedom. I wanted yeah freedom and like I didn't have that You know, and I think that that just got very overwhelming to me and it just had me questioning my whole life. And I eventually got an internship, which led to another job. And it was great. You know, when I finally got there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is all I ever wanted. This is my dream. And then like phase two of the midlife crisis came in because then I was like, even though I got a job and that's what I wanted, it still like wasn't super aligned with everything that I had told myself before. So I feel like there were different phases to it because it was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? I have no job. Then it's like, I got the job, but I'm still like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Mm, What were you expecting? I don't know what my expectation was, but I just know that like that feeling wasn't right. 
Mm. So I don't exactly know what I was hoping for. Like, I think it was a very corporate environment. And so I think that I wanted a little more creativity. I think I was still trying to convince myself that I was excited about it. And, you know, for the first, I'd say, year or so, like, I was excited about it. And then once you get deeper into a company, every company has problems. So I think that that's when when you start questioning, like, what am I willing to put up with? I think that that's a question we all ask ourselves, right? Like, okay, finally, I'm pursuing something that I'm interested in or I actually like and want to continue. But is it at this company or do I need to like pivot and shift? And so I think that a lot of those ideas started kind of like settling in. I think a lot of it too is where a lot of our choices are like, is this going to be what the rest of my life is going to be like? Yeah. (laughs) Like you think that every decision is like, like whether in a relationship or at a company, you're like, this is it. This is it. Like, is this going to be... For, and then that's when you start to realize all the not so glamorous things about it. And then, then your mind starts thinking like, is this what settling is? <laughs> and then you start going inward, right? Well, at least for me, it was like, well, is it me? Is it something that I should like fix within myself? So there's that like pivot. For sure. Yeah. I think that I also saw like some older people at the company who had been there for ages, like years and years. And I kind of saw the way that their lives panned out in the sense that like I've eventually caught up to their knowledge of everything that was going on, you know? And then it kind of got to the point where it's like, wait, but you guys know all this stuff is like wrong or like we need to fix this. But they're like, eh. And then they just keep moving on. And I think that that didn't sit well with me. So I think that that's kind of what triggered the second crisis because then it was like, wait, I did have like this image of, you know, things will work out as long as you believe, as long as you're a good person, like good things will come kind of thing. And then when it didn't, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Conan lied. Yeah. (laughs) Conan lied. What about you, Jen? Do you relate to that? That's funny that you brought up the older people at the company thing because I feel because I was the youngest at Wong Fu at the time or now even. Jen's like, I will forever be the baby I of Wong Fu. claim that title. <laughs> <laughs> but I observe all my other coworkers go through their crises, you know, of, I mean, it's funny because you said earlier, like, 25 seems to be that age for some reason. I was like, wow, you guys claimed me right before 25 for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Like for me, it's like, oh, I saw them. They all freaked out about the age, even though, you know, whatever age is but a number. But I feel like people did freak out. Oh my God, I'm in my mid 20s. Yeah. That, I don't know, that holds some weight for some reason. We should do some reflection upon that. Like, why? Is it because like, is it forever 21? Is that why? Because like, you're just like, that That seems like the age. I don't know. I feel like 21 is like a very liberating yeah. age because it's like, oh, I can drink. And like, this is the time that I can fully do yes. anything I want. Like, that and is, anything yeah. is possible. Versus like 25 is like, oh my God. Like, I don't know. I feel like I was always told like 25 is like the peak. And everything else is downhill. I hear that a lot from people yeah. who reach 20. They're like, is this it? Are, yeah. my, are my best days over? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you're just you really I mean, I think I see it in like me and stuff like that um let's say like athletes they get shamed for being older than like 22 mm. like for olympians they can't even make it you're like oh you're too old and it's like what yeah you're 20 like you're no, too see, old like, like, jack will always be like oh yeah his career is over he's like 30 i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> he should retire i'm like yeah like i think people are setting those expectations and then just the number itself sounds scary i guess it's just like maybe like an internal like, honestly i do feel like forever 21 <laughs> Yeah. No joke. I think I do feel very young and like, you know, free-spirited inside. Well, you still look uh, and feel 21. You. Yeah. So do you, Christine. <laughs> I think it's like now it's like you feel the years passing by. Maybe it's that. Like Without you, noticing? Yes. Yeah. I look at my like oh my mid to early 20s and it kind of just looks like a blur. It is kind of like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, I think that that's also the other scary thing. Like when you're going through each year, you don't feel yourself changing. But then when you look back, you're like, oh, wow, I am different than the person I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I think that we get so wrapped up in our heads of just present, 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 like what is going on right now that we don't look at that. And we just keep panicking about the future and I think we just want a sense of control like we can somehow mold our future right like past is the past we're done with that we're moving on but like we're trying to somehow shape our future into what we want it to be Mm -hmm. no I, I like what you said about that because I feel like so me entering into my second phase of my crisis is my current crisis I feel I feel like it's me. Yeah, I think I've just been a whirlwind of life, emotions, a lot of stuff happening, big, big stuff happening, right? Mm. And then I think now it's like slowing down and where I can finally reflect on myself. Mm. And yeah, so I think now my crisis is very internal. 
And I'm thinking a lot about like these internal factors. And yeah, so like, I feel like I'm suddenly doing that thinking about these past years, like, well, a lot has happened. And what now? (laughs) Yeah. And that's very relatable in your mid 20s. Like you said, it just goes by. Mm -hmm. And then now you also it's not only just the time, but mentally, you've been maturing. Mentally, you've been absorbing and watching and taking Am I? in. Yeah, sure. I hope I mean, so. <laughs> I think it's a lot of like what Regina said too, of whether you're at a company or in a relationship or even within your family dynamic, you start to see a lot of shifts and changes. And a lot of it is within you, right? But you've been watching things. And then it's like, at this point, feeling these things, something's misaligned because you're no longer the same person as you were. Right. And I think those are the things, like Regina said, when we're so worried, especially in their 20s about, and it's not just us, it's the world telling us, you should know this, you should plan for that. Are you saving for this? Are you doing that? There's so many opinions. Of course, I can see why people in their 20s are so worried about like, oh my God, before you know it, I'm going to be Christine's yeah. age and 35, you know? <laughs> so like you're not fully in the present to really right. maximize that time. And the misalignment comes when you're just like, I'm no longer who I was before, who I was before, the things that happened before, even the people in your life are no longer the same anymore. And there's like a displacement <laughs> there. Yeah, there's almost a displacement. I remember before feeling a nostalgia for things and times and memories that no longer exist anymore. I cannot go back there anymore because those people are no longer like that anymore. I'm no longer like that. But there's a, you kind of miss it, but you also feel like that's not me anymore. I like what you said about the nostalgia thing because for me, I think I've shared it with you two a lot. Like I loved, love my college experience. Like I love my friends. Like I made my lifelong friends through that and had like the best memories, whether good or bad. Like I still hold it to my heart very dearly. I think I do look back on it fondly but not to a point of like I wish I could go back but I do miss like that light-hearted carefree feeling it's like oh man too many things to think about now I wish I could just think about I have a final tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, like and just being with people one mile away from me yeah I do miss that <laughs> no, I, yeah college I think that's why it's such a we just released oh, the yeah, college episode yeah, about that to it. yeah we were reminiscing on our college day same things came up I mean, that was more than 10 years for me. Uh, for me, post-grad was six years ago. Ooh. Mine's 10, 15, something like that. Yeah. I, I just got a notification on my phone that showed me, you graduated three years ago. And I was like, ah! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Scary. I mean, that's a special time, right? There's a lot of self-discovery then. And there's been a lot of self-discovery since, mm-hmm. right? Like that kind of set you up for the self-discovery that you're going through now, that is guiding you kind of through your career, your life, relationships, family. I mean, college was great. I wouldn't change it for the world. And I feel like it was definitely helpful in getting me on my two feet. Yeah. So now that you two have talked about your two life crises, which is something that I relate to, I can take it a step further with, I would say my third one. (laughs) (laughs) I know on this podcast, I've definitely talked about my depression, right? But then I think like taking Jen's life crisis and playing out further, I stayed at Wangfu. And that's when I started to feel a lot. Of, and I was in my later 20s. So I was like Regina's age. And that's what I was saying, where a lot of things misaligned for me. And a lot of things I noticed at the company just didn't sit well with me anymore. And I realized that I was changing. What I did was I stuffed that because I was like, no, 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 no. This is I work too hard and sacrifice too much just to give up so I pushed I pushed through I pushed myself to the limits and you guys all know what happened from that and the consequence was depression that is something where you know reading about quarter-life crisis or any type of crisis is depression is a very common consequence because you don't deal with what you're really feeling and that's where I didn't make a choice I was like I guess the choice I made was I was gonna push through right but essentially let life happen to me and I just kept dealing with it versus making a choice for myself. What happened was life made a choice for me, which was depression. It was like, no, this is no longer your path. This is no longer for you. When I reflect back, I realized I was so misaligned in so many areas. It made total sense. So no, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as you quit your job or you end the relationship. But I do think that any type of crisis or feeling this way is just a sign for your body and more importantly, your spirit to let you know that something's not right and to pay attention to that. There's a reason for that. And I don't know about you guys, but when I feel really aligned, I live life totally different. I show up completely different. 
And I would say the time at Wang Fu during that time was very different from when I first showed up to Wang Fu. When I first showed up to Wang Fu, I was very aligned. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. You know, and I was very young and naive. And then when I left Wang Fu, I was a totally different person. Mm-hmm. I mean, still me, right? Yeah. But totally different. Even now, I've been still going through phases of that transition, right? So when I left Wang Fu, I was in my 30s, in my early 30s, and now I'm in my mid-30s. Just realizing that it's just a period of transition. I think for me, in New York, I had started another job. This was like my third job. And I showed up on the first day super excited about the company. I'm very much so like Christine, where if something doesn't feel right, like my entire mood is just completely different. And my mom has even said that like, oh, recently I've seen that shift in you where Mm -hmm. you're just not as passionate and stuff like that. But that was definitely how I was at that job. And the job didn't end up working out. And so I felt very like defeated. I had like all these ideas of what it could have been and what I had hoped I would be. All my friends were getting promotions and making X amount of money. And I was like, oh, I I want that too. Like I'm chasing that too. And then I got it. And then it didn't work out. And I was just like, I don't understand why. And so I think that I was kind of like you in that sense too, where it's just like life just happened to me. Like instead of me kind of going out and making those decisions. And so then- um, Autopilot. Yeah. Then I went on autopilot. And I kind of feel like I have been on autopilot for- a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. And that's scary to think about because I think time goes by so quickly, even when you're not making decisions. And like, before I know it, I've already been back in LA for over half a year. I feel like I haven't been proactive in my life. And that's always something that I've been because I've always tried to be agreeable and likable. And I didn't want to, you know, piss anyone off. And so I was just always like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, go with the flow or whatever. And I feel like that was a really big hit for me now because I'm like, I'm not at that age anymore where I can just let things go or like let things happen and just kind of go along for the ride, right? That's a lesson I'm still learning today. You know, I think that I say this always, like some days I'll be super, super motivated, get a bunch of stuff done. And then like for a few days, I'm just, I just can't, like, it's just so hard for me to kind of refocus. And I think I've learned a lot about myself through that process, just, you know, what I am capable of, what I can handle, what I can't handle. And like, yes, I can push myself to the limits, but if I push myself over the limits, that's when I like, have a really hard time kind of reeling back. So I think that's kind of the crisis that I'm going through right now where my friends are getting married and they're moving on with that aspect of their life. And a lot of them are, you know, getting pretty stable in their careers. They're, you know, getting those promotions, slowly kind of working their way up the ladder like I was a few years ago. It does kind of feel like they did all the right things and I just decided to take a completely different path. And so I think it's, really hard to look at it that way. But I think that I feel very fulfilled in what I'm doing, like with the podcast and kind of taking my own path, trying my hand at a clothing line. Like these are not traditional things and who knows if they're going to be successful or not. But like, I know that that speaks to me. So I think that's what I have to keep reminding myself. Right. It's not something that it comes easily. It's not the first thing I think of early in the morning, but it's something that I have to like work on. Yeah. I mean, Jen, I know that you've mentioned being an artist and you do a lot of your own work too mm-hmm. right I mean probably not as I much try. as you like <laughs> because you have a full-time job so it's yes. almost like a side hustle that you have for sure yeah so how is that for you and what are things that have come up for you with like having a side hustle and having a full-time job I mean yeah it's really tough I've diagnosed myself with imposter syndrome oh. yeah I feel like yeah you're talking about the stage of like reflection I feel like I've been in that imposter syndrome which is basically like, um, how would you define it? It's basically like you have all the qualifications, but you yourself don't feel ready. Yeah, you feel like you don't deserve it. You don't feel like you deserve it. You don't feel like you're ready. Like I think that it's easiest described kind of like maybe in like an artist sense where there aren't exactly guidelines of what it means to be an artist, right? But you're creating your own work. You're Mm -hmm. selling it. You're sharing it with the world. Like that qualifies you as an artist. But to say that is a completely different perspective. I think, yeah, maybe I've been like riding this wave. I've been sharing my art and people do respond to it. It makes me really happy because it's like something I've always wanted to do because I grew up really quiet. I always joked I was the loser who didn't have friends. It really Mm -hmm. felt like no one was cared about what I said or like did, you know? So like Mm -hmm. even designing is like there's always someone 
better. Like I never had the chance to do that. Now it's like I have the full capacity to share what I want and people are listening. And that means so much to me. But I think I'm still taking that 15 year old me who's like, this is not me. Right. I don't deserve this. Let's say when I sell my print, like, oh yeah, people actually like it. But to me, it's like, why? Like I question, why are they supporting me? Not to knock anyone who's supporting me. (laughs) But it is very like, I feel very confused. I think it also because, let's say, sorry, Wang Fu when I was in college. To me, that was my real life. And Wang Fu and this LA life was like a bubble. Mm-hmm. I go here, you know, a couple of times a week and like I get to have fun with people I look up to. Mm-hmm. And But when I come back, like these friends, these are my real people kind of thing. And it was heightened when they would call me like Jen from Wang Fu and they would poke fun at me. Not in a bad way, but very like, ooh, you're like cool now. You're a you know? celebrity. Yeah, and it's like, what? No, like I'm me. I'm here. Yeah. And that was yeah. very... I. Legit felt like Hannah Montana. <laughs> like, like this <laughs> secret <blonde> life. <laughs> yeah, to me, I was so frustrated because I was like, no, I'm the same personality. I'm still doing me. You know, it was weird because in both worlds, I was not really being fully. Like, I feel like people didn't really see the true me yet. Do you feel like you held yourself back? Yeah, I think so. To like protect myself. Oh. Yeah, maybe like, or not to embarrass myself or not to like have my feelings hurt somehow. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because they're two very different realities with two very different sets of people. Right. I mean, we all know Wang Fu world. They speak a very specific language. Mm -hmm. So being in that world, I also felt it was very different from my quote-unquote normal friends who aren't in entertainment. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I I completely relate to that. Yeah, going off of that entertainment world, it's like you have to play yourself up a little bit, like show off your skills. You are talented, but whereas with my college friends, it's like, no, be humble and like, don't talk about that, right? Like maybe I'm going through a transition or I feel I'm growing out of that. And it's like, okay, time to take control of my life. I worked hard to be here. And so I wasn't lucky to be where I am. I think I wrote off that mentality a lot for the past couple of years. Like it was luck. It was timing why I'm here, not because I worked my butt off. Right. And that's really tough to wrap your head around and like really accept fully. But I think I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm trying to like take a hold of my life again. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's a little bit of both. Getting to get that opportunity is you working hard. There's definitely, and let's just say from Wang Fu's point of view, there's always hundreds of people that are like, how do I get a job at Wang Fu? How do I do that, right? But they also have no experience, no relevant experience. So that's why people don't get hired. So to get to that point for that position, you definitely have either showed skill-wise, you have what it takes personality-wise, but not personality as in like, hey, let's put you in front of camera, not that type of personality, but like the hardworking. That's one thing to get hired. The other thing is being able to stay there. There's definitely people that we let go at Wang Fu before, you know, just because it just does or have left willingly because it just it was not a good fit. So I think from the outside, it looks like, oh, you guys get to live this fantasy life. How special, how wonderful. But it's a lot of work. And to a point where I can say from my point of view that I got burnt out. It's a reality because it's not it's not playtime. It's mm-hmm. what you see on screen is not everyday reality. So I don't know about you, but like the burnt out part is something that was an eye opener in hindsight. Because going through it and probably being Asian and how I'm taught, I didn't even know I was getting burnt out until afterwards when I was because I kept thinking like, no, you got to push through. You got to right. like keep up. And I think being in entertainment where everyone's doing something and everyone's hustling in some way, there's that imposter syndrome that definitely does kick in where you're just like, do I belong here? Like, why am I here? (laughs) I think I, I definitely do feel that with my art because the art community is so big on Instagram and like you feel you're being left behind a lot. You don't know the next trends, the next marketing tactics. So yeah, I definitely feel like you're chasing after something. You're like, same thing. It's like, what am I chasing after? It's kind of, yeah, the similar themes of before, but now it's in more career sense. As you get older, there's more of a holistic reflection because more happens, right? And also, like I said, you're evolving mentally. So there's a greater sense of awareness, which I think is key. I feel like any type of crisis is essentially us trying to get clarity. Like, what does this mean? Who am I? And I got all these questions that we constantly ask on Perfectly Imperfect. It's just your mind trying to figure out like, okay, what is the next thing that I'm supposed to be doing that Mm -hmm. feels right, is right, and will pan out the way that I want. But I think the older that I get, the more that I accept that it's not about what happens. It's about what feels right in the moment. Not saying I'm making decisions like, oh, short term type of decisions. The more that you're in tune with yourself, the more that you can align yourself in the present moment. Like what happens is 
my mind before tends to project so far, like 20 steps forward. I'm not focused on what does it mean to me right now, like the simple groundedness of it. And I think that essentially is the core of who you are. So getting that clarity is really getting clarity for you. What sits well for you based off of your past experiences, right? And what you're currently going through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you guys have any like ending device that you want to give? I I like how I asked you guys a question, but I'm going to go first. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) Invest in yourself, which is invest in your mental health. I think any type of crisis has the ability to really knock you out and your mental health is really, really important. I think that's something as a society, but especially in the Asian world is not something that we really talk about or highlight or give enough emphasis. So put time and energy into yourself, mental health, but also in things that bring you joy, which is in hobbies, physical activities, spending time with things that spark joy. Because those, we've said this before, those are the answers that will come to you in what aligns with your soul. So it doesn't mean that you have to give up your job, but maybe put in more time into drawing, maybe put in more time into travel and make that a priority and strategically plan for that. So if you're like, no, I have to, you don't actually have to do anything, but this job is something that I want to keep for now because it's going to pay off my loans. It's something that I want to do. But maybe from that, maybe start saving a little bit more money so that you can travel once a year to something that will bring you joy. So it's not just fully burnt out mode. You took all the good ones. I know. <laughs> I went through the outline. I was like, this is mine, 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 mine. <laughs> I think for me, what really helps is that when we get really wrapped up in watching everyone else succeed, <laughs> it makes me feel better that when I talk to those people, they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing either. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's a very comforting feeling through social media. Like we say this all the time, but it really is everyone's highlight reel. You're just looking at all their accomplishments, the things that they want to celebrate. They don't talk about these negative things because they don't want to show negative things. And I think that we learned that through our parents. What has helped me a lot kind of going through this process is, you know, I always compare myself to my friends and then I have this internal dialogue of like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know if I'm doing this the right way or am I even supposed to be doing this? It helps me a lot when I talk to my friends who I admire or I look up to and feel like, oh my gosh, they did everything the quote unquote right way and have us both be like, we don't know what we're doing. And then I think that when you talk to that other person, they have an outside perspective, right? Like I think that when my friends look at me, they don't feel the panic I feel. And so they just see the good things that I've accomplished. And I think it's nice to have someone kind of encourage you and kind of remind you and be like, hey, Remember when we talked about that, that one time, like you're doing that now, you know, I think those little reminders of like, that was our dream, like a year, two, three years ago, and we're doing that and it's okay to have new dreams now. And I think that that's kind of what causes that internal like crisis feeling, but like, it's okay to feel that way, but like, you need to be able to pick yourself back up and having a support system is really, really important in doing so having people who are really in your court and rooting for you and see the good in you and see your potential. That's really helpful. And just talking it out, you know, talking about like saying your emotions. Like I say this now, because I think for so many years, I really did just keep it all kind of in this little box shoved in the corner. It would come out whenever it wanted and I'd have to stuff it back in. Now that I'm older and I can talk about my feelings more and understand my emotions more, I can kind of start pinpointing the problems that I can kind of attack more directly versus before I'd be like, oh my God, I feel blue and I don't know why. Like I don't have like specific things that I can work towards. So talking it out for me helps a lot because then I get really good advice. Sometimes it's nice to just have a release And yeah, when you build those relationships with people and they see the best in you, these are the times to have those like really good conversations about life. Mm -hmm. Thank you for giving me the time to formulate an acceptable answer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Kind of going off what Christine said, for me, it's been a recurring like theme, like self-care. I think I've been preaching that for like a while to my friends, to myself. Obviously, sometimes I don't even listen to my own advice, but I think it's like know your limits and know your body mental limits. My friend shared something recently and it really hit me. It was like, no matter, you know, how much motivation you have, how many ideas, things like your body will stop you eventually, you know, like it has a limit. Yeah, it does. And like, you have to listen to it and feed it, (laughs) hydrate it. Be kind to it. 
because yeah. it's doing a lot. Right. Like for me, it's like, oh, I have so many things on my to-do list I want to tackle in this crisis. But knowing that you can't get it all done in this month, in this week, in this year, maybe even. It's like knowing like, oh, just take your time. Yeah. One checkbox at a time. With that, you should buy Jen's habit tracker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Plug. It's important to have those like little tasks, though. I feel like those little tasks, you'll kind of slowly see how it builds yeah. into like the bigger picture goal mm-hmm. of yes. where we'll be in a few years. You know, like I have no doubt that all three of us are going to be in very different places, doing very different things in five years or maybe doing some of the same things. But that has evolved. I mean, I came from Wang Fu and I'm a life coach. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. In like two years, what I'm going to be. Exactly. And I think it's important to kind of keep those dreams or goals in mind because you Mm -hmm. never know what it'll look like when it finally comes to fruition. Yeah. And I like what you said, Jen, about like that things take time and to keep that in mind. This imaginary race that we have in our head that happened when we compare ourselves to other people's Mm -hmm. past. When we keep in mind that everybody has a very different path, even though you guys may be doing the same thing, like both graphic designers, both, you know, what else do people do in life? Both lawyers, doctors. Yeah, like everyone's path and purpose and the people that come into your life that you affect are all very, very different. Everything will happen in its own time. And to be kind to yourself throughout that process is so vital. Freaking caterpillar doesn't just go, ta-da, I'm a butterfly. You know, like it has a feeling first, right? It's like, oh man, you know, like it's coming. I think it's coming. I'm eating this leaf. Pokemon evolve. That's pretty sudden. (laughs) be an episode with Jen without her bringing up Pokemon. <laughs> you kept saying evolve. I was really holding it back. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But also Pokemons aren't real. <gasps> what? <laughs> okay, I'm leaving this podcast. <laughs> you mean Ryan Reynolds isn't Pikachu? <laughs> wow. Hashtag attacked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, everything just takes time. And I like the caterpillar analogy because that's something that I always go back to, especially during my depression. I'm like, when am I just going to wake up and be a beautiful butterfly? I don't understand this, right? And when are things are just going to start happening and shifting? But the more that I felt that, the more I felt pressure and the more that it didn't happen. And it was all part of the process, right? Looking back. So I think definitely don't want to end it on like, hey guys, you're never going to get out of a crisis. You're never going to be a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> you're just a butterfly that keeps evolving, you know, and there's always so much more to learn. And that actually shows the infinite possibilities of yourself and your soul. So just to keep that in mind that you're definitely not alone and that if you ever feel lost or just by yourself, just listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on and bearing your soul and being so inspiring and relatable in everything that you've said and shared. I'm relatable. Thanks. Relatable. Totally. (laughs) With that. Where can people find you? Not that they don't already know where you are. (laughs) On Instagram, I am underscore J-D-L-E. That's it. (laughs) Um, Also, if you ever want to own any of Jen's beautiful designs, she's only going to be making more. You can find her on Etsy. Shop JDLE.Etsy.com. Yay. Yay. I mean, pip pip. Hooray. Oh my gosh. I, I told Jen that when she came on the podcast, she had to say oh, that. I forgot. Because anytime we talk about the podcast through text, yeah. she always goes, pip, pip, hooray. Oh, that is so Jen. <laughs> I love that. We should. <gasps> what? what? Future merch. Yes. <laughs> just for us to wear. I just even want to wear it. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, no, but we'll definitely be linking all of Jen's information down below. Be sure to check out her work. She's so incredibly talented, such an inspiration, and so, <sighs> so punny in ways that Christine and I will just never, never understand. No, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> no, I think you understand because you're a lot wittier. Sometimes I'm like, it takes me days. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, that's what that meant. That's amazing. <laughs> we love you so much, and we're always here rooting for you, and we cannot wait to see how much more beauty you bring into this world with your art and just yourself. Oh, love you guys too. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are in my 20s journey oh, as yes. well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being a part of this episode. It would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. I guess we'll see you guys next week. Yay! Yay. Bye! Bye. Bye.